Welcome to Death Row. Like we always do about this time. Ha ha ha! I'm gonna fight your fucking ass! You don't got, you're playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No fucking Jesus, people! I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody! Hey, pussy, are you still there? I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. I would like to introduce... Welcome to the MMA for Money Show episode 20. No, there is not an MMA event this weekend. I mean, there's probably one somewhere. There's one somewhere everywhere, every weekend, all year long. But the big dogs, Bellator, UFC, even PFL, they're not going on this weekend. We do have a UFC from the previous weekend include as well as a Bellator to quickly go over. But before I do any of that, I want to introduce my co-host. Oh, before that, yeah, probably should say my name. This is... Uh, MMA state of mind, your favorite garbage man, Bob Voss. I am here with Mike Copenhaver at Don't Cope Just Win on Twitter. Mike, how are you doing? Uh, I'm just getting over being sick, man. Uh, it's kid a killer virus out here on the West Coast, so I hope uh, everyone doesn't get it. Yeah, shout outs to anyone. I know the flu is going around in a major way. It's just the start of flu season, not to mention any other sickness or ailments. But hey, maybe if you're sick and can't talk, you could at least listen and we could bring some joy to your ears. Uh, one little piece of news before we go into reviewing the two MMA events that happened last weekend. Uh, everyone seems to want to talk about the Stephen A. Smith comments on Conor McGregor and Donald Cerrone and Joe Rogan's rebuttal and everything like that. And I was just uh, expressing to Mike and most of you who are long-term listeners of us know this. I typically don't watch a lot of the fights live. I watch them after the fact, um, usually the next day, if not then the day after that. That's why I'm usually silent on Twitter at those times, not completely ruin it for myself. But I actually had to go back and watch this because I almost exclusively just watched the fights. Now, I'm going to quick read what Stephen A. Smith said, just so there's context before we get into this. It goes, quote, I am quite disgusted. Let me be very, very clear. I am honored to be up here with you guys. This is when he was with Joe Rogan after the fact. I'm a spectator watching the sport. I expect to see more than 40 seconds. I predicted Conor McGregor was going to win this fight inside of two rounds. I thought he would take him out. Here's the deal. 15 seconds in, Cowboy Cerrone was done. He got hit with those shoulders in the clinch, and he was done. It looked like he gave up. It was just an atrocious performance on his part. My initial uh, going with that, I know most everybody is saying that, obviously, Conor McGregor is not a quitter or anything like that. I'm not saying he's a quitter. I'm saying he got his face broke, and he got knocked clean out. So uh, everyone seems to be going after Stephen A. Smith, but... As me and Mike talked about a little before this, and I'll throw it to Mike in a little bit, and he'll comment on that. This is what Stephen A. Smith does in every other sport. He throws out big outlandish claims, so people argue back. It is the old school shock jock performance to get people to listen to you, even if they don't like you, because you're still listening to them. Uh, I don't see why he was on the call in that aspect, because it's a pay-per-view. I understand if it was a ESPN card, but and I know it's an ESPN Plus, but it's a pay-per-view. People have already bought and watched all the fights. So him making outlandish comments do nothing to sell the fight. It does if he was on the prelims beforehand and he's hyping you up for the pay-per-view to go buy it. Or if it's on uh, ESPN Plus about to jump to ESPN proper or any of the other variables there. But I just think he is just dipping down a little bit low. And 
going after Cerrone, who, yeah, Cerrone has seen better days. He is pro- he's on his way out to a degree, but he got put out. He didn't quit. Uh, I know Rogan went after him hard, and now I think whole Helwani just put out an interview with him where he's going after fans for going after Stephen A. Smith because we have this weird thing about people having to be experts and blah, 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 but it's just going over and over and above. And honestly, me and Mike talked about this beforehand. Mainly the reason we're bringing this up is because we know that people want to hear takes on this, but in all seriousness, since I don't hold much weight in Stephen A. Smith's comments on MMA in general, it didn't offend me too badly, and honestly, I don't really care. Um, Mike, how do you feel about his comments, uh, Joe Rogan's rebuttal, or anything involving what was said? Yeah, you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. Is that I pretty much don't care what Stephen A. Smith has to say about mixed martial arts. He's been here for about 30 seconds, and uh, he doesn't know much about it, so... I don't know why people are putting so much merit into his statement when he literally knows nothing about your sport. So it's it's okay. This is what he does. He likes to bring attention to draw eyes, and that's his job. You know, you either hate him or love him. But the point of him is so that you you're talking about him, and that's what we all are. But him uh, disrespecting uh, Joe Rogan and them going back and forth now, I I think that uh, it's funny that people. Th- want to see Joe Rogan and Stephen A. Smith fight because I don't think they realize that Joe Rogan will kick uh, Stephen A. Smith just one time and make him realize that he never, ever wants to fight again. Oh, and then immediately after, I forget who shared it, but someone showed uh, Stephen A. Smith hit mitts, which was more (laughs) embarrassing than if you watch me hit mitts, which would probably be even more embarrassing other than the fact that maybe I got a little bit of speed at him because I got the age advantage, but it was, I don't know the kind of swings he was doing, but I mean, I guess I can't comment too much on there because uh, I wouldn't look much better, but I just, uh, I think it was a tweet. I'm, I'll share it on uh, either me or Michael share it on the MMA for money uh, Twitter handle, but it's a, one of these things is not like the other, but it's a series. It's two video clips. The first is Joe Rogan just doing mitts like he does throwing his kicks. I mean, obviously he's martial for a long time, so he looks well, really good and then immediately after that was the Stephen a smith clip uh showing him shadow boxing and going for the crotch uppercut or whatever he's doing in that clip um so we'll we'll share it on there Uh, once i find it me michael share it and put that out there um mike final thoughts on this should we move on to some actual fighting uh final thoughts are just don't put too much uh, merit into what anyone says in life there's gonna be people who tell you that you're wrong you're an idiot when you're 100 percent right so i just this is one of those times that you just roll roll on by this past weekend getting into some actual fight talk we had ufc on espn plus 24 or ufc on espn rally or blaze versus Anios. however they're classifying these now uh we are gonna go not crazy far down the card, but some 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 highlights, if you will, uh, before we get up to the top. A couple fights where some serious stuff happened. Since we don't have a fight to look forward to, we're going to go over this, and we're going to go over the results of the Bellator this past weekend. Now, going as far down as possible, well, fights that people actually want to see. Um, I'll start with Angela Hill, mainly because you were high on Angela Hill, and... I was leaning Hannah Cyphers. I'm so happy I didn't bet that. Uh, Angela Hill looked phenomenal. Uh, got a KO, TKO, ground and pound in the second round. And just looked great. Um, apparently, anyone outside of the top five-ish 
she just destroys. So I don't know if she'll ever be able to bridge that gap and get up there to the elite of the division. But I'll tell you what, if you're not up to snuff, she'll take you out. Mike, do you have any initial thoughts about Angela Hill? I know you were uh, big on her in that way. Uh, yeah, she. I mean, she basically did the game plan that we that I said that she, if she was going to win, she would do. It's she had the way better striking, and she kept the girl at distance. And for somehow, uh, Cyphers couldn't get her down at all, which is pretty surprising to me. Uh, to me, and uh, uh, some good takedown defense on Angela Hill's part. I know it was just beyond impressive. Um, Bevan Lewis beat Daquan Townsend. I'm just going to throw out some of the results here uh, as this is not the deepest of cars. There are a few exciting things going on. Arnold Allen got the unanimous decision over Nick Lentz. Justin, Justine Quiche got a unanimous decision over Lucy Putalova. Montel Jackson, who everyone thought was going to get the finish here, still looked dominant, but got the decision over Felipe Colares. Uh, Sarah McMahon got the decision over Lena Landsberg. Really thought she was going to get the submission there. I know that uh, May Gangstar gave that out as a prop bet. It was so close. Well, I know. A few of those times it was really close. And given the matchup, I mean, with how overpowering Sarah McMahon can be and dominant on the ground, but she just seems completely content with riding out the decision, apparently, and not going for the finish. One uh, near bet that we had on this car that we passed up, and in hindsight, I guess shouldn't have passed up, was Brett Johns fought Tony Gravely. Uh, He ended up beating him by submission rear naked choke in the third round. Uh, All in all, a great fight. Gilbert Burns' brother, Herbert Burns, got a finish in the very first round. He got a knee from the clinch and beat Nate Landwer, which... I didn't know much on other than his highlight reels that I've seen on Twitter. So I kind of stay away from the whole thing other than knowing obviously Burns comes from a good background given his brother. But as we all know, there's a greater brother and a brother and a lesser brother. And I'm just going to go out and assume that Herbert is the lesser of the two. I guess we'll find out more in the future. Uh, Jamal Hill beat Darko Stasic. The guy that we will always pick against, who's an enemy of this podcast. (laughs) Um, Alex Perez did beat Jordan Espinoza. I know you were higher on Jordan Espinoza. There was a submission arm triangle choke. Now, any of the previous fights I mentioned on that card, Mike, do you have any comments or things you want to bring up on there before we go more in depth on the co-main event and main event of this card? Um, you know, the I, I wish we would have touched the prelims and, and just is, at least spoke on uh, Herbert Burns just the for the relevancy of that the fact that uh, Gilbert Burns is his brother and he had some really sick jujitsu, and I'm high on that. Uh, otherwise, I would have touched on it and uh, pointed you there. I, I thought that he uh, Herbert would have gotten a submission, but it ended up getting a sick knockout, and that, that fight was actually really exciting for as long as it lasted. So uh, props to both fighters. And um, on the, the for the rest of the card, um, I, I not off the top of my head. Now, in the co-main event, we actually had a parlay between the co-main event and main event. Uh, the co-main event was a little bit of shock to both of us. Michael Chiesa got the decision win over RDA. I still don't believe it as I say it. I mean, kudos to Michael Chiesa. One, I brought this up before the show. Me and Mike were talking. I feel like Michael Chiesa looks different in absolutely every single fight. I honestly mean he's getting better. I'm just, you can't nail him down. In some fights, he's great at a certain aspect of MMA. And in the next fight, it's almost like he forgets to do that and does something completely different. And maybe he's good at another thing. I was utterly surprised uh, at 
the sheer amount of takedowns he was able to get on RDA. Uh, RDA didn't stick with the leg kicks as much as I know I thought he would. I thought the striking was going to be a clear volume and edge on the RDA side. Uh, I honestly thought the only chance Michael Chiesa had was to lock up a submission. I'm not going to say fluke submission because Michael Chiesa has a really, really tight grip. And I thought if he was able to lock something in, that was going to be it. But I just never thought he would get the chance. And everyone keeps talking about how huge Michael Chiesa looks. I mean, he, he looked big. I'm not saying he doesn't. It was more like the body type, like height and everything together. He just looks more solid now here at welterweight. But... I mean, for a welterweight, he didn't look big at all. I mean, I know he's coming up from 155. This is his uh, second fight at welterweight, I believe. RDA has been there for a few years now and has only lost to the elite. And at some point, it was a simple math formula of, does RDA lose to anyone who isn't the elite of the division? And the answer to that was no. Do I think Maoche is the elite of the division? Still no. So I'm in a paradoxical math equation currently that I do not have an answer for. Um, Mike, well, before I fumble over my words too much and try to gain my bearings, what do you have to say about this odds upset, personal upset, parlay busting co-main event that we experienced on Saturday night? Uh, certainly not happy about it. I'll tell you that. I, I'm more I'm more upset with the fact that uh, Chiesa could get a win w- without striking. Like he really didn't do any striking damage or anything aggressive in the sense, and I, and somehow still got those takedowns because to me RDA was acting really hesitant and should have been slamming those lay those leg kicks down in the first second rounds and doing some major damage that would have paid dividends down the line. But he didn't come with that approach. He didn't come with extra volume. He didn't come with outnumbering uh, Chiesa like he needed to. He, he just didn't even come, it didn't seem. So I, I was really disappointed in that. Uh, sometimes RDA does that. He comes real hard, and then some days he doesn't show up. So uh, I'm sorry for that loss, and we'll come back and bounce back. It's only 1.05 unit loss, and we uh, still got plus money to keep rolling on through the next show. Yeah, as Mike said, uh, that was a loss for the event. Uh, we only had the one bet. It was a parlay between the co-main event and main event and half of that loss, the, being, the losing side of that being this co-main event. We lost 1.05 units, but given how much we made for you at the last pay-per-view, uh, we are still up plus 1.45 on the year so far. And we will definitely give you guys some good bets going into the next event. That's not this Saturday. It's next Saturday on February 8th. And that will be UFC 247 Jones versus Reyes. There's a couple things on there that I know I'm, I am eyeing and I can only assume Mike is eyeing some good odds there for a few of the fights we like. Now in the main event, we got this one, right? The downside was we made the parlay, but when you had these two, this co-main event and the main event, both guys that we really, really liked were in the mid minus 200 range. Still a little bit early in the year. We didn't want to give you guys a max bet on Curtis Blades, even though personally I was more confident in Blades than RDA. I'm wrong. Super confident in RDA. Like if RDA was in the minus 150, like below minus 200 range, I would have for sure bet him straight. That's how confident I wasn't him. But Curtis Blades just seemed to have the capacity everywhere and honestly the way the fight went was a little bit shocking not that he got the finish and he did he got the finish he got knees and punches ko tko 
in round two against the one-time heavyweight champion, Junior Dos Santos. But if you would have told me that JDS was stuffing all of Curtis Blades' takedowns and Curtis Blades was setting up JDS with the jab very nicely, still threading the takedown, but getting that jab going and finished with knees and strikes, I wouldn't say I'd be shocked because I know JDS isn't prime JDS. And from reports that have come out, he may or may not have a torn ACL. But I'm so happy to see Curtis Blade striking coming along as it is. We did mention on the last show, he is one of the very few fighters that Bang Ludwig still trains personally. And it is really coming along. You're seeing his striking really come together. And he's going to need that when he starts facing, I mean, I would say the upper tier of the division. But he's ranked number three right now. And there's only two guys ahead of him, one of which is Nganu, who he's lost to twice. First fight was a doctor stoppage because of his swollen eye. And then the second time was clean TKO, KO. And then the champion. And I guess DC, if you want to put him in there. But I don't know. I was very, very impressed with Curtis Blades. And I'm just excited to see who he fights next. I think it would probably be, for sure, if Rosenstruck wins in the Rosenstruck uh, Nganu fight. He'll for sure fight Rosenstruck. If it's Nganu, I don't know, man, because he has the two losses to him. The last one wasn't that long ago um, as far as JDS. I mean, there's plenty of heavyweights that he can fight. Um, he could fight Volkov. They were supposed to have that fight before he had to drop out with that uh, leg infection. So, I mean, there's plenty of heavyweights for him to fight with relative names. He could still headline plenty of cards or co-main event them. But I'm, I'm really excited about Curtis Blades. And I tweeted it as somewhat of a tongue-in-cheek joke, but I do believe it that at some point we are going to have a, sh- a Midwestern champion showdown between Curtis Blades, who hails from my neck of the woods, and Stipe Miocic from Ohio, to claim who is the best Ohio, uh, the the best middleweight. I'm combining a lot of words here. The best Midwest heavyweight who is also the UFC champion. So that will happen at some point, and I think Blades is coming for him. Mike, how did you feel about this main event? Where do you see Curtis Blades in the grand scheme of the heavyweight division? And I guess also where do you put JDS? Oh, man, well, everything was so bittersweet because stupid RDA ruined the parlay as we got into the main event. So I was obviously a little bit... And I don't know exactly what I wanted. I obviously I knew I wanted him to still win, but I knew it didn't really matter for our pick for the show because it already was end. It already ended. So I uh, I still watched it, and I was uh, shocked that JDS could sh- uh, st- stuff all those takedowns. And I, I give credit to Blades for pursuing and keep believing in his wrestling and throwing out those takedowns just as a threat because JDS still had to constantly think of the fear of a takedown or a right hand. And so it, it may definitely change his game plan up. And I, it was super impressive that Blades could end him with uh, his boxing. And I just, I was stoked that he won. I just wish that obviously we slammed him on the money line, but we just don't do a, a stupid aggressive plays. And if you, you know, you could take a negative 250 money line and you put down the 2.5 units and lose that one, you're down negative 2.5 units into your next show. So it's it's just it's really hairy on, on those situations. Otherwise, we would have slammed Blades all the way. But uh, we like the parlay we give out with the value. Blades has got a lot of ceiling. I can't wait to see him in his boxing progress. And yes, it'll be sweet to see him and Stipe uh, show down in the Midwest for the big boy title. And Mike made a very good point about the bet and the value there. If we're starting to go up on that juice and get those minus two fifty favorites. Mm-hmm. 
you even with a winning record on betting those you can still end up in the negative because those like one or two out of every four or five you get wrong so picks wise and like percentage picks wise you are at a very good clip but money wise you're barely breaking even or losing money so that's the main reason we don't like to give that out to you guys obviously a parlay isn't necessarily a cure-all there but we actually have a really good history with parlays so that's why we were comfortable giving that out and also as said there were so many fights on the card that we just stayed away from for i believe valid reasons we stayed away from herbert burns because it was his debut we stayed away from Brett Johns, Tony Gravely, because we didn't know much about Tony Gravely. We stayed away from Sarah McMahon and uh, Lena Landsberg because Sarah McMahon never lives up to her potential. Uh, Montel Jackson Seriously, had yeah. a ridiculous and, eye. And if and Sarah McMahon, I, I, I would have, I for sure, I love Sarah McMahon because of her American wrestling or her wrestling in general, or Canadian wrestling might be even. Either way, her wrestling. And she, she know, you never know what she's going to do or what she's going to show up. And so it's it's hard to say, oh, can she beat Lena Landsberg? Hell yeah, she should. But will she show up first round good and then quit? Maybe. You, that's why it sucks to try to pick her. And so it was a it was a very weird card, man. I, I couldn't get a grasp for it. I like I like picking underdogs. Like plus one fifty underdog is a number I love. No, absolutely, I completely agree on that, and that's one of the reasons we were leaning. It wasn't quite that high, but Brett Johns for a little bit because I had seen him at much as much at, as plus one hundred five, which is a decently nice number, but. As said, we were trying to be on the conservative side. And you know what? The conservative side doesn't always pan out. And this is one of the times. Um, Odds also were not stuff we liked. Um, There are a few odds going forward. Um, The next pay-per-view that I like a little bit better. And actually even like the the next card after that, the Anderson versus Blockowitz 2, that the Saturday after Valentine's Day, that one has some stuff on there that I like as well. Like, I'll give a little hint right now. I am really liking Diego Sanchez over that Michael Pereira. And he is currently a plus 135 underdog. And Pereira will gas out 100%. Jumping around doing his flips and kicks. And I could see a very easy possibility that Diego Sanchez wins the second and third round of that. And that's one of those fight cards where from top to bottom, especially that one, not as much UFC 247, but for sure, the Anderson versus Blockowitz two card. There's a lot of like plus one fifty minus one seventy plus one thirty five minus one fifty five in that like sweet spot that me and Mike like for bets. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. We'll be able to definitely get you some money on that one for sure. And then the pay per view and honestly the rest of this year the fights look great. Like I know I have a big feeling on the Felder Hooker card and then Adesanya versus Romero March seventh. That's actually a fairly stacked pay per view in my opinion. Like there's just a lot of good coming up. Sorry, I just saw a number. I wanted to see it. For those of you who do, who do not know, the odds for this one, just because it caught my eye, is you have seen ESPN 8, Ningano vs. Rosenstruck. Ningano is minus 280 against Rosenstruck's plus 220. So just throwing some numbers out there in case some of you have not seen that yet, and some of that might look good to you. Now we're going to go on to talk about Bellator 238 with Cyborg's debut in Bellator. Um, we didn't have any bets on this card. We were focusing a lot more on the Blades versus Sanchez card in terms of betting, and I didn't like the odds on a lot of the guys here. Uh, I will go through and give all of the highlight 
results i guess you could say most anybody with a name i'll let you know how they did and then we can go back through and do any of the ones that popped out at us first of all i'm going to talk about aj agazarm who is part of the nick diaz army he trains with those guys triathlons with those guys all of that stuff he just climbed to three and one uh, getting the victory submission armbar in the third round against adele altamimi uh aj was on the ropes at some points uh his all-around game is coming along obviously his main point is his submission his striking offense has come along very well but his defense isn't quite there yet he still has time he's relatively young at least in the sport uh aaron pico was able to get a finish in the second round uh he was a little bit more calm cool and composed he beat daniel correy like i said in the second round with a left hook Raymond Daniels had another highlight finish over Jason King. And if I remember right, uh, trying to find the names here, but I remember reading that a wife and husband, there you go, yes, uh, Jason King and his wife, um, Emily King, both fought on the same card, although one won, one lost. And sadly, Jason King was the one that was put out in highly real fashion from the one top <laughs> kickboxer who is married to uh, Sage Northcutt's sister, Colby, even though he's like 15 years older and has known her since she was like 13. But that's beside the point. Uh, Sergio Pettis made his Bellator debut, getting a first round submission guillotine choke over Alfred Kashakian, a.k.a. getting Sergio Pettis a win. Juan Archuleta beat Henry Corrales by, by a unanimous decision. Darren Caldwell got the submission in the very first round against Adam Borix, which you and I are, I know I was a little surprised about. Just give not the uh, end result, but I guess more how quick it happened. I thought Adam Borix was going to put up more of a fight and it was going to be a close contested fight and could have gone either way. But man, Darren Caldwell blew him right on out. Um, I'm not going to talk about the post prelim, the post limb fights, just so you all know. So the last fight I'm going to bring up before we touch on a few more in depth was the main event where Chris Cyborg got the fourth round punches and body kick KO TKO over Julia Bud to get the featherweight title in the Bellator cage and now has four titles in the four main female organizations the only thing she doesn't have is pfl but who knows or wsof but because it's basically the same thing who knows maybe she'll go there after she runs out of people to fight and beat in bellator mike does any of those fights you would like to talk more specifically about or would you like me to pick out a few to go more in depth um juan archuleta versus henry corrales i was high on juan archuleta i thought that he would win a, a Pretty much, I think I said a decision, and he did that, but it was definitely a little bit hairier and much closer than a match than I would have liked to have seen. Uh, Sergio Pettis, obviously, we we knew he was going to win because uh, we said who about Alfred Kashikin or whatever his name is, and so it's uh, Darren Carwell was uh, super impressive though. I I well, I've been high on him for years, and I've dr- I've dropped off him more of recent. Because he just doesn't seem to be aggressive enough on the ground and attack. And of course, as soon as I jump off that, he goes and just is aggressive and attacks his ground game and goes to a submission that fast. So either way, it's pretty funny how MMA works. Some you could a lot of the times I can pick a fighter coming into the UFC, uh, a, a female or male, and I have my sights on them and start betting them. They'll disappoint me the first fight. I, I'll be like, man, what were you looking at? They'll start winning. I stop looking at them, 
And then all of a sudden that same fighter comes back and is now the champion of the world or something like that. And so it's just uh, really weird how MMA works, but you got to keep on believing in yourself or uh, the game will eat you up. Well, absolutely. And honestly, there are sometimes fighters. I'm saying specifically fighters and not even fights. There's just fighters sometimes that for whatever reason, how you look at fights, you just straight can't call. There's And it goes the opposite too. There's some fighters that you can straight call like it's your job. One fighter I can call like it's my job is Ryan Bader. I think I've gotten two Ryan Bader fights wrong in his entire career. No BS. There's other fighters I seem to get wrong every time. Basically, every Michael Chiesa fight. For a while, I actually had a rule that I wasn't allowed to bet Michael Chiesa fights. I amended that rule uh, uh, within the last year and won, so I thought I cured it. Apparently not with the RDA fight. So there's certain fighters that, for whatever reason, you just can't get a beat on, and these fighters exist for everybody. I know some guys that there's just certain fighters that they just won't be able to call for whatever reason. Like they, they either downsell them for a past performance they can't get out of their head or upsell them for the same reason, and you're just off. I'm trying to think. No, none of other fighters are coming to mind other than Michael Chiesa because that's a, that's a fresh, fresh wound that <laughs> I'm feeling. But um, uh, OSP is a good one. We, ne- we never know. Yeah, OSP is a good one for a, a good one for a lot of people. I had made a rule about OSP fights a long time ago that I will only bet on OSP fights when he's uh, facing a knockout puncher, and then I'll pick the knockout puncher against him. Otherwise, I stay away from his fights completely, mm-hmm. and, that, and that's that's worked out pretty good for me. But still, uh, there's yeah, there's there's fighters that are super fluky fighters. Like I don't mean to keep going back to Michael Chiesa, but I know that one just happened. But like this dude has cost me money going back to Tough Live. I lost money on him when he fought Ally Aquina. And got the sub there in the house and like numerous other times. Like it just, I, I can't get a beat on him. So uh, he, from here on out, I'm putting it on the show. I'm not sure if I've done this on the show before. I've done it by about certain fighters on the show before, but at least in this iteration, I will never bet another Micah Chiesa fight again on either oh, side, whether it be oh, for I, him or I'm against him. I'm going to get my money back one at one point. Dude, hey, and, I, and if you're going to bet on the opposite when he fights <laughs> someone else, I completely support you. Um, and I know I'm saying this, and he's going to end up fighting like a elite, elite welterweight, and then I'm going to get drawn back in because he looked, looked good enough in this fight. The odds are going to be more favorable, so I, I might get closer to even money on like a really good fighter. I mean, I know he called out. Um, Dude, Gilbert Burns will whoop the shit out of Mike Chessa. I, Just okay, that is, okay, okay, okay. Amendment. Because anyone who knows the show also knows how much I love Gilbert Burns and how much money that dude has made me in the past. He is a guy that I call his fights right. So this might take the bad juju off. And if he fights mm-hmm. Gilbert Burns, I'm in on that. And, uh, oh, man, who did he call out? It Just could happen, though, because because I don't see them giving Chessa's nothing special. So I think that – Well, I mean, and he, call, he called out uh, Colby Covington, right? Yeah, that in, uh, Colby, will, summer, Colby, will crush, Colby will crush him. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, as long as his chin's healed up, but oh, no, absolutely. So, okay. So, my only amendment to that rule that I just said, and I know I'm going back on that real fast, but if he <laughs> fights <laughs> if he fights Gilbert Burns or Colby Covington, that'll be the only way I'll jump out of it, okay? And th- those are my parameters. If he's fighting anyone else, I refuse to bet his next fight, but those two 
only because I mean, actually, I don't know if I would get good money on Colby Covington or not, but you know, if he was matched up against Gilbert Burns, that's going to be a pick em fight. They're going to line that a pick em fight, and I might even get Gilbert Burns at dog money again. And you always bet Gilbert Burns at dog money. That is always a good bet. <laughs> Sorry, I'll, I'll stop that tirade. Uh, you didn't hear me laugh earlier because I had my mic on mute, but uh, when Mike brought up, we were going to pick Sergio Pettis because as soon as we said his, who his opponent was, we said who. Uh, I was dying laughing, but um, yeah, they're they're really setting up Sergio Pettis. They they really need their Bellator is doing a really great job of developing their lower weight classes, and Sergio Pettis is perfect for that. And honestly, I think one more bad loss because I believe Pettis has one more fight on his contract. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in Bellator as well. Um, Sergio Pettis, man, I a long time ago. For those of you who don't know, the I, I'm at MMA f- for money. I'm combining things. I'm at MMA State of Mind on Twitter. That originally started because I had a blog associated with that where I would pick fights on there and occasionally just spout MMA babble. And at one point, I did future champions per weight class. And I had to pick someone who was either only had one or two fights in the UFC or wasn't even in the UFC. And at the time, I had picked Sergio Pettis to someday be the UFC flyweight champion. This was when he was still in RFA. And man, he's just never quite lived up to it. I always thought he was not as flashy as his brother. But like earlier on, he was a lot more technical. Like he could actually box, unlike his brother. (laughs) So uh, and could actually handle like fighting, walking backwards. So I was really high on him. He just he never quite lived up to it. After that, I believe it was the Ryan Benoit knockout. It just hasn't come together in any major way. Uh, yeah, Juan Archuleta looked really good. I mean, I guess Raymond Daniels is trying to keep giving him strikers because the moment he gets another wrestler, he's probably gonna go down as well. So they need to match up him Bellator like they're matching his wife up in one, where you just give him like complete mismatches. Did you see? Have you seen the highlights of? Uh, uh, Colby Northcutt versus the last person she fought in uh, one championship. Um, no, I'm sure it's dude, no, no, dude. No, no, you gotta look it up because uh, Col- uh, Colby Northcutt, she's tall and she's lanky and like she kind of looks like she's uh, she plays volleyball, like that kind of build. And the poor woman they found to fight her, like, only came up basically to her belly button. Like, that's no BS, no exaggeration. Like, I might be taking away an extra inch or two from her, but that's the height disparity and reach disparity we're talking about. And they basically just had her beat up like a little kid. Like, it was was bad. But that's because they gave her 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 debut in one, and she got beat because I think it was a little bit more competitive. So they they know what they got with her, and they're trying to set her up a little bit nicer. So whatever, get Grim and Daniels, Strikers, the only non-striker, I mean, non-like pure striker with a little bit of experience you can give him is MVP because Raymond Daniel said he would fight MVP even though they're friends. That would be a very entertaining striking matchup. Raymond Daniels has more of a name than he has experience, so that's going to be coming down the pipe at some point, and I'm all for it. Uh, I loved how Darren Caldwell looked. I mean, Darren Caldwell has me so thrown off because at times he is so dominant. But then other times he just fizzles out. I, I, I can't quite put two and two together. Um, so how do you feel about Chris Cyborg? I think they announced, if I believe so, they announced her next fight. It's a woman who is, I think, two or three and oh in Bellator. I'm not finding it right now. But either way, 
disregard no, really that fight. See, I mean, who I really else do you see her fighting? Side. I mean, I, I don't know. Really I want know. her to go to PFL and, and fight Kayla Harrison is what I'd really like to see. Now we're going to get going, but you know what? Everyone enjoy. Now with that, let's roll. Let's roll.